Did you know that in a typical home landscape consisting of lawn, plant beds, shrubs, and even trees, the lawn is responsible for between 81 and 90% of the carbon capture. I'm Lisa Courtney Lloyd, and you're listening to the Peaks and Valleys podcast, where we talk about the unique challenges of running a seasonal business. Although our interview guests run agribusinesses, these discussions will be applicable to any seasonal business. Our intent is to briefly discuss the issue, then give you a couple of tips and best practices to consider. Today's guest is Brett Jekyll, Director of Revenue Operations for Manderley. Manderley creates living green space for beautiful, healthy communities with quality and convenience that scales. Hello, Brett, and welcome to the next episode of Peaks and Valleys podcast. So I'd like to begin uh, with something you said in a previous conversation. In a seasonal agricultural business, if you feel like you're in control, you aren't asking enough questions. Can you tell us a bit about what was behind that statement? Absolutely, yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me. I've really been looking forward to this. It feels like it's uh, been a long time coming, so happy to to finally be on the call with you. Um, Yeah, so I think it's kind of like in the movies, you know, when it's uh, too quiet, you know that something is about to go wrong. (laughs) And in agriculture, there are so many factors that are out of our control. um, And that's why it's important to try to, you know, take control of the variables that we can. And uh, for me, communication is key. So that's gathering real-time feedback, whether it's from our employees, whether it's from our customers, our competitors and key influencers, um, and, and really having the ability to try to digest that information and being able to determine you know, actions to take um, before it becomes too late. And I think that that's what creates lines of sight that helps us navigate our busy season. So you know, even when everything is, is quiet and seems to be trending smoothly towards our annual targets, you know, I think that there's always room for marginal improvements. Um, we always need to be on the lookout for ways to, you know, maybe it's to work on our systems to develop stronger customer relationships, um, you know, identify and implement service enhancements, uh, or, you know, looking for just other efficiencies in the value chain. You know, I think these types of improvements can really only be realized if we're actually spending time asking questions, trying to work on our systems and really being proactive rather than letting ourselves be guided by trailing indicators. Right. And so, of course, being able to accomplish this is um, ambitious in any organization, but Manderley is seasonal. So you are looking at generating 90% of your sales in about 20 weeks, and that's shortened if you um your season is delayed because of weather or what have you. So that flow of information and analysis has to happen in days, uh, sorry, in hours, um, not days and months. Is that accurate? Yeah, sometimes minutes. <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a very short window of opportunity. And like you say, it's one that can really be affected easily by factors out of our control. You know, we've had seasons that have been cut short by drought um, and winter kill. We've had wet years, and that's where, you know, our our big contractors who are doing projects are getting hit with grading delays. They can't get their site inspections on time, and it it can really reduce their work in a meaningful way. Um, We've had COVID, which created these incredible demand conditions that really, you know, came out of nowhere and and pushed us to our our limit as far as capacity. So, you know, these are things that, you know, kind of come out of nowhere. You're not going to be able to avoid them. Um, but the way that you manage them really determines the outcome. 
And again, this comes back to communication. So for us, like any company, you know, we have people who are responsible for setting the customer expectation and we have those whose role is to, you know, deliver on it. And uh, these people are grouped into different departments, but they hold information that's key to one another's jobs. So, you know, one of the things that we've kind of learned over the last few years is that if you're not careful or, you know, very deliberate rather, um, silos can really easily develop in your organization. And that means that departments can be putting up blinders and be so squarely focused on their goals, on their own plan, which by the way, is generally developed independent of, you know, complementary functional groups. Um, and they also end up having chains of commands that very rarely provide enough detail outside of their own team. So, you know, operating in silos, what that really does is it, it drains your organizational bandwidth. It creates um, unbalanced expectations within the organization. It can lead to grudges or a, a sense of kind of unhealthy competition between departments and ultimately prevents you from taking effective action. You know, and at the end of the day, it's unfortunate, but I think it's the, the customer who is ultimately impacted by, you know, these, these sort of service or product related issues that develop from it. And, you know, if, if I'm thinking of an example, uh, you know, there can be times in the season where it's really dry, you know, drought is a thing. And what happens during those periods is sometimes the sod becomes tender. So that's to say that, you know, the grass is healthy and it'll still grow, but your roles might tear a little bit easier than when weather conditions are better. And in a siloed organization, I can almost guarantee you that the way that uh, a customer facing employee is finding out about those types of conditions is from the customer. The customer is going to let them know that rather than their own production team. And as a result, you know, those who are responsible for setting these expectations to set our customers up for success, they end up in reaction mode. You know, and then uh, in another scenario, if you have sales that isn't communicating with the production, you know, about market demand. So whether that's, you know, overall or whether it's even just a, a large project that's uh, creeping up on short notice, these are the sorts of things that could push us beyond our capacity. And again, it's the customer that gets the uh, the short straw. So, you know, overselling, it's problematic in agriculture, especially in sod. It's not like running out of widgets. Uh, you can't just produce more widgets. Um, it's a two-year crop. And if you underestimate demand and you don't take action during the season, what you could wind up seeing is, is shortages, and these shortages could last into future seasons. And, uh, you know, telling a customer that you can't serve them to their fullest expectation is something that is going to have an outcome that's going to be long, long lasting. You know, so for me, aligning departments and creating strong systems for information gathering and sharing, as well as trying to build trust within the team, uh, a trusting environment really between, you know, departments that are a part of the value chain. That makes the difference and that to me makes the difference between you know going where the winds will take you versus being able to steer your ship you know no matter what there's never a guarantee you're going to end up exactly what you set out for um, but i can tell you the second option is definitely the better one right so let's let's spend a little more time on the last part of what you just said because you've identified the issue you have identified the solution being improving the efficiency of this flow of information and breaking down any barriers to share this information internally and externally so what have you done um, or i shouldn't say what have you done i understand what manderley has done is actually reorganized, bringing together several of these customer-centric departments 
under you with the new title of Director of Revenue Operations. That's correct. Can you tell us a bit about what that looks like? Yes. So uh, revenue operations, that's a term I borrowed from the software world. Uh, I was trying to come up with a label for, you know, a department that really brought together all of the people that were responsible for setting the customer expectation. Um, And really what revenue operations is about, it's aligning people and processes that are responsible for, you know, optimizing customer lifecycle management. So that's, you know, your business development, your customer success, your sales, your marketing. We also have an install team. They're pretty great, but uh, they're they're actually service providers. But um, lacking that integration meant that we weren't effectively sharing information. Um, It meant that we weren't leveraging the strengths of our people. And ultimately, I don't think we were managing our customer mix well, which, you know, by definition means that we're falling short on the customer promise in some cases. And this wasn't a people issue. You know, this wasn't anybody trying to be malicious or anything like that. It was all about structure. We created and implemented a structure, which especially for a small company, you know, by headcount, we are a very small company. Uh, It made it difficult for us to communicate and share bandwidth. And, uh, you know, bandwidth is key here because, um, you know, in many cases we have small departments too, and we rely on capacity from other departments to be able to go out, you know, uh, do the activities we need to do. So since we've amalgamated, I think we've seen some real improvements. And, uh, you know, an example of that is our marketing department. Um, we're, a, we're a department of one in terms of headcount, but, uh, you know, we rely on people in the field, you know, to help us uh, with our bandwidth whenever needed. Um, you know, most people, I think, when we talk about marketing, they probably think of, you know, email marketing, social media, corny taglines. And, you know, that's not entirely wrong. We, we try to stay away from the corny taglines, but, you know, sometimes it happens. Um, but for me, at its purest, as you know, Lisa, marketing is about information management. It's about gathering and analyzing information. Um, and, and that's what helps us identify these opportunities and threats early on. It helps us to make customer mix decisions. It helps us create impactful value propositions. And, you know, uh, that's just to name a few things. I mean, there's there's so much that comes out of, you know, the information that we we receive and we, you know, look at the trends and we extrapolate what's what's happening in our world, you know, what's important. Um, you know, where we've really put our focus this year is making sure that we we own the data and marketing is accountable for our information gather and transfer. Um, we utilize our sales team and our customer success teams to help us collect this information. We've worked on establishing real strong relationships with the filling the promise side of the business. So that's our trucking group and that's our production group. We actually have a weekly opt-out meeting now, uh, which we didn't before, uh, where we can discuss any issues that are coming down the pipe, whether it's, you know, things like the quality of the sod, capacity, you know, was there an equipment breakdown? Uh, what does demand look like? Are there any large jobs coming? How do we work as a team to make sure that we're not hitting any roadblocks in any of these, these functional areas and that we can deliver, you know, the best possible outcome to our customer? So. You know, I think the, the, the summation of all of this is that alignment and bandwidth sharing, as well as clear communication, uh, they allow us to focus on areas where we can collectively make gains versus where we will be expending energy, you know, just pursuing our own functions, priorities, which you know may or may not play a big role in us achieving our high level corporate uh, goals. Wow. 
Well, as a professional in communication and also a student, ongoing student communication, you've really nailed it because so often communication people uh, think one way and you seem to have organized the organization in such a way that there's this ongoing two-way communication so that you can act on it. So kudos to you guys. Thank you, Brett. Um, I could keep talking with you, but I know that um, uh, time is of the essence. So can we end the uh, this podcast with you showing either some tips or uh, some articles that you feel would be useful to anyone listening into this? Yeah, so I think that uh, there's a book that I've been reading both uh, in terms of, you know, uh, personal and professional growth that has really helped prioritization and, and workflow. And, and it's a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, and there's a couple of concepts from the book, and many of them are kind of introduced pretty early on in the book. Uh, and the first one that resonated with me is uh, a quote, and it's, uh, you do not rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. And, uh, you know, seasonal agricultural business depends on our ability to process information, be proactive, not reactive. And, you know, if you're, you're focused so squarely on the finish line, you're not going to be able to anticipate those obstacles that uh, are in your way and, and what re required detours you have to take in order to stay on, you know, the overall trajectory. So, you know, I, I think that we're talking about sort of systemizing the information gathering and creating accountability to make sure that it's being done. And, you know, to me, this is sort of uh, another layer of that is it's important to create processes that help us make this information gathering and sharing a habit. Um, the other concept that's reduced or excuse me, introduced really early on in the book is the idea of the aggregation of marginal gains or how small improvements every day lead to big results. You know, you're better off really working on making 1% improvements every day versus, you know, sinking all of your time and energy into, into chasing perfection. And, you know, this is kind of what I mentioned before, since we've de-siloed customer lifecycle management and we've, you know, tried to build stronger communication lines with, um, you know, our production and uh, distribution departments, I think we've been able to collaborate more effectively with the, within these functions. And, uh, you know, as mentioned, we, we've seen improvements this year that, um, you know, may not be the home run in and of themselves, but if you compare that with the results from previous years, uh, you can see where we're moving the yardstick forward. And uh, I also think, you know, sharing that back with the team and celebrating the fact that, you know, little victories are, are worth <laughs> celebrating is is really important as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Brett. I really appreciate you sharing that book and also um, your experience of what you guys have been through the last year and, of course, previous years as well. You've been very generous with your time. I'm going to wish you a good day and a happy weekend. Well, thanks very much, Lisa. It was great to, to be on here and uh, enjoy your weekend as well. Thanks. You've been listening to Peaks and Valleys, the podcast on seasonal business. Peaks and Valleys is presented by Market Maker Agriculture, a long-term hold private equity company that invests in agribusinesses across North America that have seasonal cash flows. For more information about Market Maker or suggestions for a topic or guest, contact seasonal at marketmakerag.com. <laughs>